0: Section thirty-five of the Complete Works of Brandy Iconoclast, Volume Twelve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. The Complete Works of Brandy Iconoclast, Volume Twelve, Section Thirty-Five humbugs and humbuggery part three but speaking of the devil were any of you ever in love i'm talking about the sure enough old-fashioned complaint that makes a man miss meals and lose sleep write spring poetry and misplace his appetite for plug tobacco not of the new-fangled varioloid that yields to matrimonial treatment There's a great deal of sugar-coated humbuggery about this thing we call love. It reminds me of the sulfur and molasses my careful Presbyterian parents used to pour into me in the gentle springtime. I don't remember why they gave it to me, but it was probably because they didn't want it themselves. Perhaps they thought foreordination hadn't done much for me, and they had best get me used to sulfur gradually i remember however that like the average case of matrimony it usually contained a good deal more sulphur than syrup matches we are told are made in heaven and i think it likely for satan himself is said to have originated there i'll tell you how matches are usually made by some horrible accident john henry and sarah jane become acquainted they have no more affinity than a practical politician and pure spring-water but they dance and flirt fool around the front gate in the dark of the moon sigh and talk nonsense john henry begins to take things for his breath and sarah jane for her complexion the young goslings get wanted to each other and first thing you know they're tied up until death or divorce doth them part and had they missed each other altogether, they would have been just as well, perhaps better, content with other mates, and made as enthusiastic a failure of married life. Most people marry without really knowing whether they are in love or not. Mistake the gregarious habit for the mystic fire of hymen's torch, the pangs of a bad digestion for the barbed arrows of the love-god's bow but when a couple's really got what ailed romeo and juliet there is no more doubt about it than was the man after he set down to the circular saw to see if it was running and found it the sole proprietor of a south american revolution they don't have to send their feelings to a chemist for analysis and classification nor take an invoice of their affections to see if any have got away love is really a very serious thing like seasickness everybody laughs at it but those who have got it when cupid lets slip a sure enough shaft it goes through a fellow's heart like a kansas cyclone through a colored camp meeting and all the powers of hades can never head it off love is the most sacred word ever framed by celestial lips it's the law of life the harmony of heaven, the breath of which the universe was born, the divine essence increate of the ever-living God. But love is, like all other sweet things, unless you get the very best brand, it sours awful easy. Of all the pitiful humbugs beneath high heaven, commend me to those intellectual doodle-bugs. Who have become Dame Fashion's devotees and devote all their intellectuality to the science of dress, to the art of being miserable à la mode? Thousands are today sailing about in silk hats, who are guiltless of undershirts bedecked with diamonds, while in debt to the butcher for the meat on their bones. Families they can scarce afford calico, flaunt Parisian finery keep costly carriages while there's a chronic hiatus in their cupboard go hungry to bed six nights a week that on the seventh they may spread a brave feast for fashionable fools god have mercy on all such mutton heads they are the natural breeders of good-for-noughts for in such an atmosphere children grow up mentally dwarfed and morally debased fashionable mothers commit their children to the care of serving-maids while they sail out to soirees and receptions put their babes on a bottle while they swing around the social circle no wonder their sons grow up sap-heads as destitute of backbone as a banana as deficient in moral force as a firkin of fish think of an infant napoleon nursing a rubber nozzle of rearing a brutus on patent baby-food of bringing a hannibal up by hand you can't do it why if i had a woman of that kind to wife a fashionable butterfly whose heart was in her finery and her feathers who neglected her home to train with a lot of intellectual tom tits whose glory was small talk who saved her sweetest smiles for society and her ill temper for the family altar i say were i tied to that kind of female do you know what i do eh you don't well neither do i there are some humbugs however who merit our respect if not our reverence men who are infinitely better than they would have the world believe as the purest pearl is encased in an unseemly shell so too is many a godlike soul enshrined in a breast of seeming adamant. Many a man swears because he's too proud to weep, hides a quivering soul behind the cynic's sneer, fronts the world like a savage beast at bay, whilst his heart's a fathomless lake of tears. Tennyson tells us of a monstrous figure of complete steel and armed cap a pie that guarded a castle gate and by its awful name and warlike mien affrighted the fearful souls of men but one day a dauntless knight unhorsed it and clove through the massy helm when forth from the wreck there came not a demon armed with the scythe of death but a beardless boy scarce old enough to break a pointless lance upon the village green so too with a sort of excalibur of human sympathy you shear down through the helm and harness of some rough-spoken man who seems to hate all humankind you find the soul of a woman and the heart of a little child even our religion is ofttimes a humbug else why is it not the good christian woman who says her prayer as regularly as she looks under the bed for burglars says to the caller from whom she cordially detests i am delighted to see you when she's wondering why the meddlesome old about don't stay at home when she's not wanted elsewhere why is it that when a good brother puts a five-dollar bill in the contribution box he flashes it up so all may see the figures but when he drops a nickel in the slot to get a little grace he lets not his right hand No. WHAT HIS LEFT HAND DOETH? WHY IS IT THAT WHEN YOU STRIKE A DEVOUT DEACON FOR THE LOAN OF TEN DOLLARS HE WILL SWEAR BY ALL THE GODS HE HASN'T GOT IT, WHEN HIS POCKETS ARE FAIRLY BURSTING WITH BILLS? IF HIS RELIGION IS NOT HYPOCRISY, IF HE IS NOT A HUMBUG, WHY DOESN'T HE TELL YOU IN PLAIN UNITED STATES THAT HE WOULD RATHER HAVE UNCLE SAM'S PROMISE TO PAY THAN YOURS? oh people are becoming such incorrigible liars that i have about quit trying to borrow money too many people presume that they are full of the grace of god when they are only bilious and that they are pious because they dislike to see other people enjoy themselves that they are christians because they conform to certain creeds just as many men imagine themselves honest because they obey the laws of the land for the purpose of keeping out of the penitentiary. They put up long prayers on Sunday. That's piety. They bamboozle a green gosling out of his birthright on Monday. That's business. They have one face with which to confront the Lord, and another with which to beguile their brethren. They even acquire two voices, a brisk business accent and a Sunday whine that would make a cub wolf climb a tree. I am always suspicious of a man's piety, when it makes him look as though he had cut a throat or scuttled a ship and was praying for a commutation of the death sentence. I would never understand why a man who can read his title clear to Mansions in the Skies, who holds a lien on a quarter lot in the New Jerusalem, should allow that fact to hurt him. I have great respect for true religion but for the brand of holiness that's put on with the sunday shirt that makes a man cry amen with unction but doesn't prevent him selling five and ten-cent cigars out of the same box oleo margarine and creamery butter out of the same bucket benzene and bourbon whiskey out of the same barrel which makes long prayers on sunday and gives short waits on monday which worries over the welfare of good-looking young women BUT GIVES THE OLD GRANDAMES the GO BY, WHICH FATHERS THE ORPHAN ONLY IF HE'S RICH, AND HUSBANDS THE WIDOW ONLY IF SHE IS HANDSOME, FOR THAT KIND OF CHRISTIANITY I HAVE NO MORE USE THAN FOR A mugwump GOVERNOR, WHO SADDLES HIS STATE WITH THE EXPENSE OF A LEGISLATIVE SESSION TO GRATIFY A PRIVATE GRUDGE AGAINST A BROTHER GAMBLER. THAT RELIGION WHICH SITS UP at NIGHTS TO AGONIZE BECAUSE A FEW NAKED NIGGERS IN EQUATORIAL AFRICA NEVER HEARD EVE'S SNAKE STORY, HOW JOB SCRATCHED HIMSELF WITH A BROKEN PIE-PLATE, OR THE HOG HAPPENED TO BE SO FULL OF THE SPIRIT OF HADES, THAT ROBS CHILDHOOD OF ITS PENNIES TO SEND prayer books TO PEOPLE WHOSE REDEMPTION SHOULD BEGIN WITH A BATH? while in our own country every town from Kataraugus to Kalamazoo, every city from the Arctic Ocean to the Austral Sea, is overwon with heathen who know naught of the grace of God or the mystery of a square meal, who prowl in the very shadow of our temples of justice, build their lairs in proximity to our public schools and within sound of the collect of our churches, is an arrogant humbug a crime against man an offence to god a curse to the world end of section thirty five